And that's where things... And there's a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> that's where mm-hmm. things get interesting. <laughs> and there's a creepy oh, horned man. Interesting. Again. Yeah, again, again. Mm-hmm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Bookstore Bitches. This is our first book club episode. Um, If you turned into our tuned, not turned, if you tuned into our very first episode, that was our introduction and book talk. And today is book club, so we will be discussing the first half of our amazing monthly book, House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. I'm so excited How's to finally going? talk about this book. I, I, I know. We've I know. been waiting for, what, like mm-hmm. a week? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm excited to talk about it so that we can continue to read it. Exactly. I should not <laughs> have finished reading it so soon because I need to, like, spread it out. But once I start yeah. reading it, I'm just like, I just keep going. And I just want to keep finishing it. And then we get to the end of the section and I'm like, shit, what am I going to do for the next five days or wh- however long? until we I know. Move on. and we didn't even realize like when you did the chapter breakdowns obviously we didn't realize that stopping at chapter 12 was going to be like such a pivotal moment you know? i know i yeah, how would we know i completely just planned it on the amount of pages per chapter really i wanted the pages mm-hmm. to be around 60 to 80 ish pages and where we ended man i i know oh. it's crazy <laughs> Uh, it was rough it was rough okay so should we let's start uh from the beginning and just kind of kind of go through what everyone's thoughts were you know in the first couple of chapters yeah totally. Um, what are some big things that stuck out to you or you know so the first thing in my notes is about that weird kiss that happens in like the prologue Mm. you guys know what i'm talking about so this yeah. Whole, oh, yeah, it's yes. like all of, like, like that whole first part of page two. Yeah. So actually, can I, I had noted that I wanted to read um, an excerpt from that. So do you mind if I just do that? Do it. Okay, so it was this excerpt right here where um, Iris says, For a moment, the air smelled sweet and wrong, a mixture of honey and something else, something rotten. Gray pulled back and held the woman's head in her hands and then watched her, intently, waiting. My sister's eyes were so black, they looked like polished river stones. She was 14 then, and already the most beautiful creature I could imagine. I wanted to peel the skin from her body and wear it draped over mine. The woman shuddered beneath Gray's touch and then just stopped. That was intense. Right? And I was like, I don't know what's going on. And we still Mm -hmm. don't know what's going on. But, but that looking- was like what page one, page two. Yeah, I immediately was, two. was like, yeah. okay, I ne- I need to keep on reading this book. Yeah, yeah, was it was two. so interesting, and the language was like so dark and grotesque, and also mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. I made a note on page one actually of that prologue, and all I wrote was scar shaped significance. Mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. know because they're very. They've mentioned it in other parts of the the book that we have have read so far. They've um, mentioned the shape of that scar, like and I want to know whatever. the hook shape. So mm-hmm. I want to know if that's significant or not. I'm sure it will be eventually. I don't know if I should mention it right now, oh, because it happens so much later. But there's a part where Vivi talks about a memory that she has of Iris, mm-hmm. and that all she says is like. I don't know where it is right now, but all she says is something along the lines of what type of girl like cuts little girls' throats or something along those lines. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, I worked right. something about that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Later. Later? Do you want to talk about it later? Or you want to talk about it now? There's so much. It goes so back and forth because there's things I, I that are true. like, I know. there are breadcrumbs that are given to us in this prologue and in the beginning few chapters that mm-hmm. start to yes. make sense now that we're in like the middle pages of the book. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just going to say that it was the memory of Vivi's when she says, like, I remember a girl. Was it Iris or Vivi's memory? Where she says, I remember a girl standing there with a knife. I think she hurt us. I think that was Vivi's memory, wasn't it? Was it? Mm-hmm. I had it marked somewhere, but I don't remember which one of my markings. Also. <laughs> <laughs> to reorganize my notes a little better <laughs> but you guys look i really did organize them so much better look i like wrote everything so proud down of you. oh my gosh i know i know because it was for those of you who can't see <laughs> oh my god so embarrassing just holding it up <laughs> for those of you who can't see my book has all different shapes and sizes of post-its just like ripped and torn and put in it and it, it's it's bad well i should be ashamed See, I, Listen, I like the aesthetic You're the only of one mine. who has to know your chaos. I know. That's true. That Except true. for everyone else that you literally just showed on the internet. They also that's know. That's true. Now. now my secret is out. And <laughs> they know your secret, but they don't have to know, like, exactly how chaotic my brain yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think as long as you learn. can understand your own post its, that's all that matters. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. So <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, back to this prologue. Yes. Um, so we've got these weird scars on the girl's necks. And then we've got yes. this weird kiss that Gray uses to subdue this random woman that broke into the house that yes. we also don't get an explanation of. Like, why did this woman break in? Who is she? What is she doing? No idea. Nothing at all. Is is there anything yeah. else you guys want to talk about about the prologue? Because that's pretty well, much all I got at. I got about it. Well, you probably have did, words. You want to talk about the words? I, well, there are words. I, I really just want to talk about the first sentence because, like, to me, it is so telling of how a book's gonna be if that first sentence just grabs you. Mm-hmm. And so that very first sentence, I was ten years old the first time I realized I was strange. Like, it's just such a solid sentence because you're just like, well, damn, one, I totally relate, and two, okay, what is it that's strange about you? Like, now I need to know. Um, so I just think, like, books that have such a strong first sentence, I always feel end up being really solid books, and in this case, that was absolutely true. So I just wanted to point that out. I also find that interesting because wasn't Iris seven when they were kidnapped? Yes. So it took her three yeah. years. So there's a it three took her year three gap. years to realize, which kind of makes That's sense when she talks about um, her feelings, especially when she's talking about her father in that time mm-hmm. after the kidnapping. But looking back, I didn't catch that the first time, but she was three. It was three years after the kidnapping when she realized the repercussions of whatever happened to them during that month. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's a good point. Which brings me to another point. There's a lot of threes. There's the three oh. sisters. There was the three years that sh- that she took to remember it. And on page ten, they mentioned that there was three stillborn babies. Uh, like her grandmother had three stillborn mm. babies before she had their mother. Oh. Is that a significance? Oh. I don't know. Whoa. Hey. So I think yeah. I yeah. forgot about that. I, oh my God, I yeah. thought that their grandparents, the story might play into it, but I didn't catch that at all. Damn, Steph, look at you. I told you I like mystery. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah, that's such a. I feel like that's going to end up being such a like subtle detail that yeah, might end is, up being really is, important. Is there something to do with threes? Um, speaking of page ten, so another thing about like language and tone. Um, this is where she starts to use a lot of um, kind of dark language to set the tone, but the way that she writes it. It's that way that we were talking about in the first podcast about um, how it's just beautiful. So, like, on page 10, um, Iris is out for a run, and she says, I turned left and ran along the footpath past empty sports field sports fields and the carcasses of trees that stood tall and stripped in the cold. So just those terms, like, calling them carcasses of trees, you know, mm-hmm. that it's, like, so grotesque but also vivid and, and beautiful. And then, like, the twisting wildwood warrens of the heath and... 
and the air here smelled sodden, bloated with damp, you know? Yeah, I um, actually have a few of those tagged as well. In the same paragraph, same. I think, the, I, gravitated, I gravitated to the untamed parts, where the trails were muddy mm-hmm. and thick fairy tale trees grew over them in archways. The leaves would soon begin to return, but this morning I moved beneath a thicket of stark branches. My path bordered on both sides by a carpet of fallen detritus. Like, that's so vivid. The imagery is amazing. And yeah. while it is mm-hmm. eerie, it's also beautiful. And I love that. Okay, so now on pa- we're on page 12. We're only on page 12. We've already talked about so much. But anyway, page 12. <laughs> this is going to take we forever. Get, we get the first look at this creepy, pale, shirtless, horned man. Mm-hmm. That just uh, seems to appear sporadically throughout the first few mm-hmm. chapters of this book. I have mm-hmm. in my notes, like, <laughs> it's literally just one line. You probably can't see it, but, like, page 12, creepy horned man. <laughs> page 28, I mean, creepy horned man. 44, <laughs> creepy horned man. 49, <laughs> creepy horned man? Question mark? Like, buy a question mark on that one. <laughs> when we get to page 44, you'll understand why there's a question mark. <laughs> okay. I wasn't I sure. <laughs> I wasn't sure. You got me on the edge of my seat. Um, yeah, creepy horn man, for sure. That's, I'm really interested to find out what the fuck his deal is. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't think he's the bad guy. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just I'll tell you advice. why. I'll tell too, you why. It's too obvious if he is, I think. Because on uh, page 20, this I remember this very distinctly because it screamed the craft to me. Uh, do you know in the craft when the bus driver lets the girls out, they're going to the field, and he says, be careful out there, girls, there's a lot of weirdos. And then Faruza Balk turns around and says, Mr., we are the weirdos. You know, that yes, part? so 100%. on page 20, um, Gray says something, something is that I am the thing in the dark. Mm, mm-hmm. mm, yes. Well, this is skipping pretty far forward. But when we find out much later, we'll probably come back to this when the the model they go see or the girl they go see who's doing makeup and stuff now, mm-hmm. um, who used to be her roommate. When she mm-hmm. tells a story about how she showed back up naked with the blood runes, and then, you know, also that it was Gray's blood. And even at the beginning, so I know that we just went past the prologue, but at the ending, after Gray kisses that woman that came into their house, the last sentence of that first scene is I wonder if Gray already knew then what we were. Mm-hmm. Like right in the mm-hmm. beginning, literally page two. Okay, so I have a theory. I don't know. I don't know yet. But you know how you said that you thought that the way that they could kind of seduce people was very siren-esque? I got the impression that it was kind of like a vampire, like, glamouring or glamouring. Is that what you call it? Glamouring, yeah. 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 Like, that's kind of the impression I got. But I, and, and so that's why they're hungry all the time is because they're not feeding on the right thing. Like, it takes a lot of regular food to fill them up when maybe what they really need is blood. I don't know. That is also an intriguing idea. I don't... I think there's something. I don't think they're vampires. I don't think they're vampires. You know? but, but they might be but something But I think there's something. Similar. I think you're on to something that they're, on, that they're not... I don't think they're human at all. But um, there's something demonic I don't want to mention the last page of chapter 12 yet, but also that. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that in reference to the we'll man come as back. well. We'll circle back. We'll get there. Okay. Well, she also just says right. the man. So, so maybe she's referencing a different man. A this different is, man, yeah, right. It doesn't she doesn't have to be that one. Iris just assumed that it was the horned man. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. yeah. That might just be to throw us off. Totally. I want to talk about the mm-hmm. verbiage on the top of page 13. I stayed alert while I ran home. The way women do. One airpod out, a sharp slice of adrenaline carving up the line of my spine. A passing cab driver laughed at me, and a man out for his first cigarette of the day told me I was beautiful, told me to smile. Both left a prickle of fright and anger in my gut, but I kept running, and they faded back into the white noise of the city. The whole verbiage, 
about mm-hmm. women and just being out in society and how just because we're female and existing, that gives people, mm-hmm. mostly men, the right to just accost us when we're just trying to go out for a run. Walk to school. Walk to school. Yeah, for sure. And I, I highlighted that she mentions multiple times how society says like um it, it's based on how the woman was dressed like oh they'll say she was asking for it mm-hmm. exactly and she says that like multiple times in the book and i just kept thinking like it's so fucked up but it's so true like that people still have that perception of just because a, a woman is dressed a certain way that you know she deserves what she got or that she was asking for you know to be sexually assaulted or raped or whatever and it's just like ugh, it's so gross mm-hmm. yeah Yeah, and I like that it is just a passing point in the story. I don't want to say that it's just a passing point, but it's just in there nonchalantly because it's not something that normally gets the spotlight in day-to-day life. It's just something that we have to live with and has just become the usual. And in the book, Mm -hmm. it's literally just something that happens. It's just another part of the setting. She's a female. She has to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is terrible. Yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So my next note isn't until 22, Steph. So if you got something on 18, go for it. I just, um, I know we kind of knew it based on, um, I think, just the normal synopsis of the book. But on page 18, it really got into um, the changes in their physical appearance. And talking about their that appetites where they can never eat enough, um, and we really got into it with the um, our eyes turn black, our hair turned white, our skin began to smell like milk, and the earth after rain. We were always hungry, but never seemed to gain weight. We ate and ate and ate. We even chewed in our sleep, grinding down our baby teeth and sometimes biting our tongues and cheeks. So we woke with bloodstained lips. That's not the first time, well, that is the first time, but that's not the only time that she mentions waking up with a taste of blood in her mouth either. No, it's not the first time she mentioned it, but I, it is the first time that she really um, went into detail yeah. of no, I'm, the changes that the sisters went through. Yeah, I agree. I'm, also, I'm just trying to point out the fact that this might play into what Amy was saying. Multiple times, it's, uh, Iris, so I'm nodding. <laughs> Iris mentions blood. that... Mm-hmm. She wakes with the taste, the coppery tang of blood on her mouth. Mm. But she also, like, specifies Maybe. that it's her blood, which is kind of strange. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Yes. We'll see. But I'm just wondering if they can't be sated with anything but mm-hmm. blood, you know? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, do any of you guys have anything before the kiss with Iris and Justine? Um... On page 21, I did mention the fact that the officers refused to be in the same room as the children, citing shared nightmares after taking their statements. Mm-hmm. That is also intriguing. I, made it- I didn't take the note, but that also caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Like, people are afraid of these kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they had the same nightmare after talking to the kids. And right. this is before any of their physical changes happened, too. Right. This was right after mm-hmm. they were found. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and then, you know, as we get into it, we find out, of course, the, the vibe that they leave behind, you know, at that apartment of Gray's. And then we find out that they her parents couldn't sell their house either because, like, anytime somebody came in, they thought the vibe was... Yeah really strange or ominous or yeah they leave like an energy Mm -hmm. signature that's tied to their emotions Mm -hmm. and how they said that gray was unhappy in that apartment and that unhappiness and that energy related to it stayed there in that apartment it like permeated the walls you know Mm -hmm. so on 22 uh, what i wanted to mention was that's the first appearance of the white flowers that start Mm -hmm. to appear everywhere she finds the documents um, that her mother has um, kept about their disappearance. And in it was that picture of Grey with the white flowers growing out of her eyes. Mm-hmm. That just yeah, it important. caught me. 
not only the imagery, but the idea of something alive growing out of something flat and inanimate. Right. So it's out of something two-dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Well, because as we get into the second half the second part of the first half, they do become a lot more prevalent. And um, I want to say they almost kind of become invasive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the feeling that they give me is like, they're just becoming invasive in like this whole situation. Like what are they and what is causing them to be everywhere? And then, you know, we'll probably talk about this too, but like I don't know if I should bring it up yet, but like with Iris's arm, we'll get we'll get to that. But mm. yes, yes, but yes, arm. <laughs> yeah, but yes. Okay, uh, chapter three. We're on chapter three now. I think this is also when we start to see the drastic differences between the girls, um, how their personalities are very different, though they all look relatively similar, and how Iris is the one who tries to be the most normal. And then uh, Gray mm-hmm. and Vivi, 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 I don't know how they are very different and try to be different, but in very unique ways, like almost opposites of each other. Yeah, well, it almost seems like they just embraced their uh, differences or their uniqueness and just kind of ran with it. Mm-hmm. Like total opposite of, of what Iris did. It seems like she tries to suppress, mm-hmm. whereas they were just like, Fuck it. Yeah. Let's just, let's go. How Grey yeah. completely like accepted her beauty and used it to her benefit, becoming a model and a fashion designer. And then they talk about how Vivi mm-hmm. uses it and hides herself. She shaped her hair, got tattoos, has a crooked nose, which none of the other girls have, but it says that she specifically has a crooked nose. They've mentioned that multiple times, but they never said if it was broken or anything like that. Vivi is trying to hide herself. She is becoming more masculine, shaved head, tattoos, doesn't doesn't tie into that like traditional feminine beauty. And then gray is the opposite. And then they talk about how Iris is somewhere in the middle. She's the middle ground between the two. Um okay, so Iris and Justine's kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, page 29, mm-hmm. when Iris says, the scars my fingernails had left on either side of her neck when she'd kissed me. I just thought that was like, that was really intense. I mean, we didn't get the full description of what happened yet. Mm-hmm. They, they tell us a little bit later. Yeah. So at first, when they mentioned this, and then when they talk about the rumor, I thought that it was Iris that lost control mm-hmm. and that was excited. Mm-hmm. But then we get the true story later and how it plays into the girl's sirenesque allure and it mm-hmm. makes more sense. Because if somebody mm-hmm. was attacking me, I would probably dig my nails in too. Not gonna lie. You, you get the impression that Iris did something bad, mm-hmm. but then we find out, no, it's the opposite. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like she's really playing it up where initially the girls do seem to be the... Um, not the bad guys, but, like, they're the weird ones. They're the ones causing all the problems. But as we're going through the book, it's not that they're causing problems. It's just that they're different and society doesn't know what to do with them. If that makes yes, sense. Yes, mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. So this is also the chapter where we first meet v- Vivi. Um, and I loved... When we meet her on chapter 31, I highlighted this. All of the cake references to Vivi. Because not (laughs) only is she, she's like an actual rock star. Like her character is the bass player in some band. But Crystal Sutherland is also using lyrics from the band Cake to describe her appearance Mm -hmm. as well. And I think that is Mm -hmm. great imagery. And it really just ties with her character. Where it says like, Yes. She was dressed like that old cake song in a short skirt and a long jacket. And then she does it again later on where she uses the cake song down near the bottom of 31 where it says, I thought of the cake song again, a voice that is dark like tinted glass. And I just love that. Mm. I think that was a great reference. Mm-hmm. It was very smart, yes. Yeah. That is that is beautiful imagery. I do like that. 
um, you know what caught my attention right after that is when Iris says to Vivi, God, you smell terrible. What is that? And then Vivi says, ah, that noxious stench would be Gray's perfume. And then as we go forward, we realize that that scent is like something that Iris keeps smelling all over the place, you know, pertaining to Gray, pertaining to the bullhorn man, pertaining to the woods. And I'm just wondering what the uh, importance is of this this fragrance. Um, and, you know, because it's Gray's and it's become this like huge part of her fashion line and her fame, I wonder if other people feel the same way about the scent that Iris does. You know what I mean? Because like, would people love it if it really smelled half rotten? Mm -hmm. So I wonder what the connection is there or like what it is about that fragrance that Iris is so um, turned off by or, or find, finds so like disgusting. So I've thought about this as well. Um, at first, when I um, ran across that, I thought that people were wearing it and buying it because of the name. She's a super popular mm. fashion model. So wearing it or having that name on their person gives them a certain status. It's the same thing with like these ugly $500 purses that people wear everywhere. But they wear them and they spend money on them because of the name. Or like the dirty tennis shoes. Exactly. Yeah. Like why? Why? <laughs> that, but anyway. That but and she's a mystery. To, that and she's a mystery to people. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, she's True. she's famous and popular, but still nobody knows what happened to her or her sister so she's still like a huge mystery so that could be like part of the allure yeah. to it but then i started to think about i'm gonna make a harry potter reference and i'm sorry um i don't remember <laughs> sorry. i don't remember what the creatures names are but the horse-like creatures that pull the carriages that no one can see oh yeah no one can the... see them unless that they witness oh, death yeah. I knew what Hold they on. were called Hold until on. this moment. I same until you put me on the spot and I had to think of it. Um, we're gonna have to pause this because I need to find out. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking that to other people it doesn't smell like that unless they have experienced a certain thing, whether they had what whatever the three of them experienced. Or mm -hmm. I'm thinking the experience is. So they also mention that. Tyler is different and their powers True. don't work mm -hmm. toward Tyler and we don't know why mm -hmm. at first but then we find out that he died and he was resuscitated and that I think that brush with death or that going into oh. that going into the beyond and coming back that might be the trigger that might okay. be the trigger. That might be the connection. Yeah, because they talk about the ha smart. the halfway. Okay, I'm going. I'm going too far. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Also, thestrals. Yes. Ah, thestrals. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I got thestral vibes. Thank I know you, that. Google. <laughs> so, do we think that the girls died and were brought back as something else? I don't think they Possibly. died. I don't think they died. I think that they... I think th they almost died. See, I think they might have died, but we don't have to have the same opinion. <laughs> yeah. See, I Hence, think they like, might the have gone hair, to the place the that guy. people die, but I don't think they died themselves. Because they talk about a doorway. Mm -hmm. So she might... It, it would be like That's visiting the underworld and coming back, but never really dying yourself. Uh, going back to your theory on Tyler, though, did... I, I can't recall off the top of my head right now. Did he ever talk about the scent and how he thought it smelled? Do we I don't recall. I didn't I didn't tag or highlight anything about him. Yeah, I can't remember if he said anything about that. When we get to the chapters about all all three of them visiting her apartment, mm -hmm. I feel like that is where he would mention it if he did. If it was there, yeah. Yeah, so okay. maybe. Uh, on page 41, I wrote, 41, confirmation of gayness. <laughs> That's literally what yeah, it is. <laughs> nice. That's literally what I wrote. Because uh, I, I, get, I, I was getting the vibes. That. I mean, yeah, we talked about the kiss, but like, and how each one yeah. of them is different as well. As with all things, each one is different. We've got gay, bisexual, mm -hmm. and straight. 
which I think plays into. They talk about that. They talk about the differences in the girls back on page 34 as well. I marked that where we really got into their personalities, their different personalities. Um, it mm-hmm. mentions, uh, first of all, I liked how it mentions we're talking about the uh, Gray is supposed to show up to meet them and she hasn't shown up. And Iris mentions that they've, they're always a set, never a pair, without Grey. I felt unanchored somehow, like the internal hier- hierarchy of our sisterhood had collapsed into chaos. And then it goes on to say, we all knew our roles. Grey was the boss, the leader, the captain, the one who took charge and made decisions and forged ahead. Vivi was the fun assistant, the suggester of mischief, the teller of jokes, the wild one. But even with her... That part's not important, but then then we get going, and then she continues to say that my role was to be the youngest, the baby, a thing to be protected. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So it kind of says what their roles as sisters were, but I also, I love that part where they were always a set, never a pair. It just showed how close that they were. I agree to an extent. I think Iris thought that they were close. But then it also mm. mentions on page 35, and I quote, she was a general and we were her small but fiercely loyal army. If Grey jumped off a bridge, would you? My mother had asked me once. So yes, they were close, mm-hmm. but they weren't equal. They were mm-hmm. but right, a right hierarchy. Above that ju- yeah. yeah, yeah. Right above that, if Grey were going to jump off a bridge, though. Right above that, it said, I didn't follow my sister. I was my sister. Mm-hmm. So I think, I don't want to say it, but Gray has the ability to make people want her. And it feels like, as we're reading, that Iris's attachment to Gray is more than just a little sister to an older sister. Yes, little sisters are mm-hmm. going to worship their older sister. But this feels almost obsessive and compulsive yeah i mean so think it's I, I am my sister that's, yeah that's it's a weird bit. yeah and so w- this points out that gray is their leader and when we go back and think about how gray may or may not have memories and might know what they are but she's a leader and doesn't want them to know and she never like disperses that information i think that right um, role the the role there is gonna play play a part in this as well. I think as they start to learn more about, I mean, because they've already learned how much Gray was keeping from them, True. and I feel like they're gonna start to learn so much about her, and I feel like things are definitely gonna change in their relationship, mm-hmm. at least temporarily. But real quick, can I just because I did finally find that thing that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we were talking about if they died or if they were almost dead or what happened. I don't know. One of them says, do you remember what Gray used to say about missing people? Some people go missing because they want to. Some go missing because they're taken. And then there are the others, those who go missing because they fall through a gap somewhere and can't claw their way back. The halfway was a story, I said. I know. That doesn't mean it can't be true. So I think that maybe you were right that they didn't fully die, but they were like... In the in-between. Yeah. To me, mm-hmm. that is them yeah, going to a alternate uni- universe or a parallel universe or another aspect of our world. Like, this is the world of the living, and there's another world of the dead, and then there's a world of where the spirits are in in-between. Like limbo. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And they mention that, how it's like a limbo. I have yeah. that, like, highlighted on... 89 where they start talking about the the halfway as gray called it and i find it very interesting Mm -hmm. that gray is telling these fairy tales to her sister but it's Mm -hmm. really i i believe that that's actually her memories of what happened to them while they were kidnapped for that month let's see oh so i I have another little thing here on 37 that just to kind of uh you know, keep going with my vampire theory here. Mm-hmm. Um, or something along those lines. But Iris says, 
talking about Laura, the drummer in Vivi's band. And she says, I thought about the skin of Laura's neck, what it might, might taste like if I kissed her. And I just thought, that's so interesting. Why is she thinking about the skin of her neck? Like, mm-hmm. you're into this person, and you think they're super sexy. I mean, necks can be sexy, but, like, I thought about the skin on the her skin. neck. Mm-hmm. Like, who says that? You know what I mean? So, just a little, just a little something for you to chew on. <laughs> I hear you. I, <laughs> I can be you. way off. I could be way off. I don't know. I see where you're coming from, and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So the next thing that I want to talk about is kind of playing back on um, how the girls are connected. Well, they're all different, Mm -hmm. but they're also all connected. And I want to talk about on page 41. So they're in a bar and um, Iris says this. So Ray held up her left hand and I held up my right and we pressed our fingertips together in an arch. I felt her heartbeat in my skin, in my chest, felt a strong thread that bound us together. I love that imagery, and Mm -hmm. I think that changes the way that I feel about when they say I am my sister. I think it's because of this thread that ties them together, because they can, I don't think this is imagery. I don't think this is metaphorical. I believe that this is part of their magical powers, that the girls can literally feel the other inside of them oh i completely 100 percent. yeah yeah i think yeah i don't i don't think it's imagery at all yeah so we already know that this starts to play a part in their search um but i really love the way that she describes it here and the way that the girls accept it like in their everyday lives like they're just sitting in a bar and they use that to communicate Mm -hmm. because following Mm -hmm. that is Gray's admittance of, I think I'm in love with him, in reference to Tyler. And because her heartbeat and that connection is there between her and Iris, then I, believe, I, like, I think they're using that as amplification to their communication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, no, she mentioned like- that she smelled different. She mm. said that she could understand. She knew that she was in love because she smelled different. Like there was something different about her. That um, is true. So to, to to be able to smell different when so, you're in love mm-hmm. and to catch that, I think. But that's I think coming back to that whole like smell thing, that like rotten dark smell. So maybe love, you know, I don't know, does something to make them more alive or. You know, it lessens that the putrid, rotten, woodsy smell. I don't know. I just was thinking about that as you were saying that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It says that her breath carried a trace of sugar and anise. I could hear the smile in her voice, and I already knew she loved him. Oh, that's that sweet scent compared to that acrid scent. Mm-hmm. I want to know what the I. What do these scents mean? Is this? Is it their ability to have to smell these things or is, I don't know if it's like their nose smelling different things and that it's their ability to differentiate or them giving off the scent that is the thing, if that makes sense, Mm. if that makes sense. Are they giving off the scent or Mm. are they perceiving the scent? Like which one is the power? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. That's intriguing. I have a note on 100 that's literally just a highlight of, well, don't come in with that big swinging dick accusing me of being an alcoholic because I like Vivi. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, I have a ton of Vivi quotes in here that I love, like her reaction to being shot. Yeah. And like- oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in chapter five here is where we first meet Tyler. And when I first met him, I did not like him. I thought that he was just a stuck up model. And the way that he comes off is just that, like, he doesn't care that she's missing. He doesn't care about them. And he just kind of shoves them off. But then I ended up really liking his energy when he came back after the the, um, police started investigating Gray's kidnapping or disappearance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But at this point, all we know is that he's a model. He's Korean and androgynous. Pretty much all we know, and that he kind of acted like a dick, 
And I was like, mm, Tyler, nah. And I just went right past it. I didn't care. <laughs> yeah, my initial thought process on Tyler was, ah, fuck you, Tyler. Like, just, we don't need you in this story. Yeah. But I was digging his fashion sense. Like, I was picturing <laughs> him. I don't know if the first time we meet him is when he has, like, the green lipstick is, on yeah. or whatever. And I was like, I dig that. Yeah. Like, I think that's, <laughs> like, I, I really liked his look. What I thought was funny about when they first met him was when, um, when, Viv- or when Iris sees him and she's like super into him, and Vivi calls her out on it and says, uh, "Oh, says the girl salivating over Tyler Yang," and Iris says, "I'm not salivating," and Vivi says, "At least not with your mouth." <laughs> <laughs> this thing that's like classic Viv, you know. <laughs> Once we get into um, chapter six, mostly what I have is the dynamics between um, Vivi and Kate, their mother, mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. even though they're very different and they don't necessarily always get along, they have more of a like love hurts teasing sort of relationship that is still consistent. Compared to Ray, who just, like, is completely gone, does not talk to Kate, they don't get along at all. And then Vivi, Mm -hmm. they don't really get along, but it's, like, a teasing sort of thing. And then there's Iris, who is completely tied to her mother's hip. Mm It's another way Mm -hmm. that the girls are all Still living with her, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true, but you know what I did think is interesting? When, um... Iris says, I'm okay, mama. And then she, and then Kate says, please don't call me that. You know, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. And so I just find that so interesting. I wonder why she doesn't like being called mom anymore. Mm -hmm. So maybe I I think, I think we kind of get into that when we read um, their dad's journal. And then um, the last thing I have in the first part of our reading, the reading from the first week is at the end of chapter six where we get into the father's delusions and Mm -hmm. we have this paragraph that says the sudden violence of it made me hyperventilate for years as my father's delusions had swollen inside his mind i become more and more afraid that he would hurt us put a pillow over our faces while we slept it wasn't unusual to wake in the middle of the night to his shadowy form hovering at the end of my bed whispering softly who are you what are you? Yet even as the spools of himself unraveled, he never laid a finger on us. And that is the first real explanation of their father that we get. is just yeah. him mm-hmm. being insane and wondering what the girls are. Not that they're his daughters or that like he loves them, but him being in this mental state where she's terrified of him and that he may kill them in their sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he doesn't believe that it's his children anymore, mm-hmm. that they are his children anymore. In his journal, he the last thing he says is, my daughters are dead. True. That's the last line of his journal. And what I was getting at with the mom in his journal was... Uh, He wrote, she is so thin, she gives all of her food to the children and barely eats anything herself. They are draining us of life. So while Mm -hmm. he mentions that he sees a change in the daughters and he's afraid of them, he flat out says, I'm afraid of them. I am afraid of her in regard to Gray. He he, He keeps saying, like, why can't Kate see what I see? But maybe she does see it. Maybe she didn't voice it then, but I don't know. I just have this feeling that she doesn't want to be called mom anymore because she knows that they're draining her of life in some way. Like Maybe she didn't mention it to her husband or anything like that, but I think in some form or another, she knew that they were draining her and they're just not her children anymore. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe she knows that they're not her children, but she still is like holding sees on hope them in there something. somewhere. Yeah, like, maybe especially with Iris, she still sees a little bit of her in there, which is why she's like holding on to Iris for yeah, dear life. Yeah, I wonder if it is some hope, some motherly instinct, or 
if one of the girls has intentionally or unintentionally put a spell on her and has used their allure to make her not be able to completely like disown them. Iris? Unintentionally, maybe. Gray? Has she unintentionally tried to keep her mom close? Gray intentionally to protect Iris? Maybe. I don't know. I literally just thought of it while we're talking about it. Because Iris is very close to her. And she could be unintentionally. Right, so it's like, why wouldn't she want her to call her mom, like, given how close they are? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. So I did um, underline just right after that where he says, we found them in the kitchen around 2 a.m. naked and shoveling handfuls of cat food into their mouths. They wailed and clawed at us when we tried to take it away from them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just something about their hunger not like they, not being sated that I just feel like that has something to do with. like Because regular food isn't actually what they need isn't and like they go like filling that feral almost to this like animalistic feral. need yeah. to yeah. eat but with the parents right there while they're in this feral state they didn't do anything about it you know what i'm saying like in most lore or in most myth- mythology whenever the creature goes into that feral state they have no control and they're just going to attack anything that has what they need you know yeah so I'm curious to know if they know. are some sort of vampiric thing, why haven't they acted on those urges yet, you know? Right. No, and it very well not be, like, vampiric, but, like, I don't know. There's something with that hunger, for yeah, sure. There's definitely mm-hmm. something going on there. On page 73 is when we read that article of Gray's interview that ends in mm-hmm. her saying, I remember everything. You just wouldn't believe me mm. if I told you. If I told you. Yes. Yeah. So that's when we get confirmation that Gray actually remembers everything that happened when they were kidnapped as children. And then we right. get to the note. And the girls are reading it for the first time. She's never actually told them that. Exactly. Yeah. The note, what I found uh, intriguing with the note was about the knife. Mm-hmm. And confirming that she has the knife. The she's had it all along. It's uh, always been in her possession, mm-hmm. and it was something that um, Iris and Vivi have always thought was gone. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering at this point if it's a mm-hmm. ritualistic knife. Like most uh, cultures mm-hmm. of like witchcraft or magic, have some sort of ritualistic knife involved, and this knife is very spe- yeah. specific. Um, but if it is like a uh, a ritual type scenario with that knife that makes me think that that's the the same exact knife that gave them their scar which it yeah, might be for sure might be. right but i'm just wondering if gray was the girl with the knife who gave them the scars mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying yeah, i don't she could have been or why i don't know they fought but... out they fought out of this halfway place because they met they mention in gray's fairy tale that anyone who falls into this halfway are lost if they don't have the strength to crawl back out. So I'm thinking True. that this knife was used on them in some ritualistic manner, and Gray had the tenacity to somehow overcome this person, take the knife from them, and battle their way out of this halfway place, which is how that they they were able to come back in the first place. And maybe Gray's the one that really battled the other girl's were along for the ride, so to say. Yeah, maybe. maybe that has something to do with the memory too. Like she remembers it because she's the one that carried them out. It possibly could be, or maybe even Gray is the reason they don't remember. Maybe she's protecting mm-hmm. them by removing these traumatic memories. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like somehow Gray is like responsible for a lot more than we think, mm-hmm. especially because she's still so into the runes and everything. Mm-hmm. And she's but I, obviously but I been... still don't think she's the bad guy. I no, think I, don't I think everything think she's, she's doing that that is to protect her sisters. Yeah, everything. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there, I think, there's probably a reason for all of it. Because even in this note that we're talking about, it says like, "There's so much that I wish I'd told you, 
and that it ends with, I love you both more than anything. So I, I don't think she's a bad guy. But no. she might have gone to crazy dramatic measures to protect them. Yeah, I don't think yeah. she's a bad guy. I think she did bad things to save her sisters. Yes, yeah. same. Same, same. I also just wonder, though, if it was something that she did initially that got them into that situation mm-hmm. and has since been trying to do whatever she needs to do to keep them out. It might yeah, be. that's true. We don't know why they were taken to the halfway. Because mm-hmm. they mentioned that she's always been intrigued in the occult, but they don't mention when that mm-hmm. started. It just says as a teen. So was it was it before or after their kidnapping? I don't think mm-hmm. it specifies. Right. We're not clear on that yet. So be interesting to see how that plays out. For sure. Yeah. So then after this, uh, they go to her apartment. Um, and they don't find much. They go to her fake apartment, and then they go to her mm-hmm. real apartment that is actually where all of her uh, ritualistic runes, tarot, like, all of her other things are. And that's where things... And there's a dead body! Yeah. <laughs> that's where mm-hmm. things get interesting. <laughs> and there's that's a creepy horned man. Interesting. Again. Yeah, again, again. Mm-hmm. Um, again. There are flowers again in this particular scene, and they are gro- and they are growing out of the dead man's body. Yes, they were creepy. It's creepy again, though. This is where I keep saying it's creepy but beautiful. Right. True. There's also the smell. So, so, so the smell of the darkest yeah. part of the forest, the smell of Grace perfume, the smell of the missing month. Those are mm-hmm. all laid out, and they're all tied together. They're all the same. Which yeah. I thought was really yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. It's the thing that from the beginning that Iris has like she associates that smell with all of the the darkness and like everything that's happened. I think in it's the woods and it's the her smell sisters, of like, the all halfway. Of it has that smell. It is the yeah. smell yeah, it's of like the sense- halfway. Yeah, and we don't. Um, they don't go into a great description of this, but the dead man. Um, Along with all of these other weird things, um, with the flowers and the smell and the runes, the creepy horn man comes in, builds a fire and a pyre on Gray's bed, and the man burns. Mm-hmm. And the the other items are not don't. burnt. Like, well, they're they're burning, but they don't burn so fast. The man has already disintegrated, right. while the other things are just yes. slightly singed. Which is very mm-hmm. interesting. I don't know why that would happen. Agreed, Something yeah. to do with the flowers. Or with the man himself. If he's, I'm thinking he's not originally from this world. And the flames were sending him back to whatever world he came from. So he, his mm. body wasn't the same corporal form as everything else in this world. Because mm. he's not from That's this possible, world. Yeah. And this is also, so in chapter 87, under the description of the man and the smell, it's also when they say, Mm -hmm. a memory hummed through me, sharp as a plucked string, a house in the woods, Gray taking me by the hand and leading me through the trees, a strip of tartan fabric tied to a low branch, Gray saying, it's not far now, but where were we? So Gray was leading her to this place. Mm -hmm. So Gray knew where they were going. That's what I'm telling you. I feel like Gray, it was like the instigator in this whole thing, maybe unintentionally, but I feel like she had so much to do with how this whole thing came about with the disappearance, the knife, the scars. Like, I feel like Gray's involvement is, is a lot more than we have any idea at this point. I agree. And then in the beginning of chapter nine, Vivi gets shot. And that's when we get another flower. Uh, Amy, do you want to talk about this flower? Because you were, you were hyped about yeah, it earlier. Amy, Amy, didn't you say that, yeah, you mentioned something about you loving Vivi in this moment. Oh, well, so, well, there's two different ones. So I loved Vivi's reaction to getting shot. Yeah. So that one is, hold on. Yeah, I have it tapped oh, as well. Like, got this bright tab right here, literally right next to it. 
Yeah, yeah. So I just love her reaction when... Okay, so Iris says, I know. I said as I helped her tie the makeshift bandage. What the fuck? Said Vivi. I know. I mean, what the fuck? I know. Iris, you're not listening to me. What the fuck? (laughs) I just love that. I love it too. I tapped it. I think that's when I sent a message to our Discord server and was just like, I fucking love Vivi. And I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What mm-hmm. the f- you're not listening to me like what the actual <laughs> fuck um so that was that so then we get to the cafe when they're trying to like clean themselves up and oh so okay so actually on the page before this on 104 I had marked where um Iris is talking about I think it's Iris she says I remember white petals drifting through the air like autumn leaves and smoke and dusk and a fireplace, a girl with a knife in her hand. Vivi said, what do you remember about being gone? Iris says, I don't remember anything. And then Vivi says, I know that's what we tell each other. I know that's what we tell the world. But I remember white petals drifting through the air like autumn leaves and smoke and dusk. And, and then Iris says, a fireplace, a girl with a knife in her hand. Well, she doesn't say that. She thinks it. No, she thinks it. Which I think oh, is important. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. She thinks it. Yeah, she doesn't say it out loud. Yeah, because I I think Iris is hiding from the truth, which is why she doesn't have as many memories, because she's not trying to remember them. Right. Well, she says down here, like, Vivi keeps trying to talk about it, and Iris says, don't. And then Vivi says, why not? And Iris says, because I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think they have those memories suppressed. They're suppressed, but they're they're there. Right. It is there. But then, so we go over to 105, and Iris is taking, she's trying to help Vivi clean up the uh, the wound, the bullet wound. And so, she, Iris says, I agree, I said, but it was my turn to be absent-minded. There was something translucent curled up inside her flesh. I used the fine point of Gray's knife to lift it out. It wasn't hard to dislodge. A single anemic flower. I gave it a gentle tug and plucked it from her wound, tiny root system and all. The same kind of flower that had taken over the dead man's body. The same kind of flower that had been growing from Gray's eyes in the photograph. It had been budding inside Vivi, feeding off her blood, blooming in her scored open flesh. I'm having more ideas as we're talking. Like... (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, not gonna. I'm not gonna say it. Yeah. This one, I'm gonna well, keep to myself. Well, yeah, because yeah, because well, what's interesting is for people who are listening is the three of us haven't talked about this. Right. This is the first time we're hearing each other's thoughts, so we're also getting new ideas from each other off of it. We we wanted to be pretty authentic in listening to each other for the first time on here, which was. Mm-hmm. Maybe a bad so. plan because this is a lot longer than we <laughs> planned. Ten hours, because <laughs> it turns out we really like to analyze every fucking detail. <laughs> also, I think it's amazing that we're all loving this book so far. Yeah, for our first read, it would have sucked so much if like one of us just hated the first read. Yeah, agreed. Right. And I bad. think it will that will happen where we Absolutely. won't go into as much detail with other books because we're kind of like oh whatever. But with this one, we're also invested that it's hard not to want to talk about every little thing i don't have anything else until page 115 115 115. Mm -hmm. yeah same 115 115 it's 15 yeah go ahead steph it's a conversation between iris and their mother and basically it it leaves me with a lot of questions Mm -hmm. um Iris says, why don't you love her anymore in regard to Gray? And the, her mother responds, or she says, what could a 17-year-old girl have said to you that was so cruel it made you hate her? My mother stopped halfway out the door. I expected her to protest. I expected her to say, I don't hate Gray. I could never hate my own child. Instead, she said, it would break my heart to tell you. I took a few deep breaths and tried to unravel what that meant. Would you even care if she was dead? My mother swallowed. No. Yeah, what did Gray huge. do? Yeah. Why does Kate hate her own daughter? Whatever it was that Gray said to Kate before she left, mm-hmm. before Kate's or when Kate slapped her. That's a huge thing. That's a huge missing piece. Mm-hmm. Whatever Gray said to her. Yep. Is going to change the game when we find it out. 
It was something big enough that Kate does not care whether Grey lives or dies. Which I find surprising yeah. because of how controlling she is of Iris. How can she care so yes. much about one daughter and then not at all about the other? Mm-hmm. And that's why I marked this down and why I have so many questions is because exactly that. Like, what is so awful about her that her love has gone away even though she loves her other daughter so, so much? And the two daughters went through the same experience, or so we think, I mean. But again, it brings me back to the point of Grey somehow being responsible because maybe Kate hates Grey because she brought her sisters into whatever this whole thing mm-hmm. is. Yeah. You know, Possibly. or... I don't know. Like, not. I don't know if great is all good. I, I don't. I don't think that she would do anything to, you know, intentionally uh, put her sisters in, in danger. But I think she did something. And she's, like, in some way responsible for a lot of this. And Kate knows it. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. That's, just, that's just the vibe I'm getting. My next thing is really just um, nothing really specific. Just that Tyler comes back. Uh, on chapter mm-hmm. or on page 116 and he actually shows some personality now and i actually really like the energy that he brings in so i like that he's totally like high as fuck and completely drunk off his ass no <laughs> whatever he's dealing with yeah. it but mm-hmm. in his own way i end up liking what he brings um to the dynamic of the girls and the little search party yeah. that's going on yeah, I ca- yeah, I agree. He's yeah. he's grown on me since the first uh fuck you Tyler moment. <laughs> right. We're starting to get a full picture yeah. of who he is. Like I marked He just obviously was a little wounded. Yeah, uh, his pride was wounded. Yeah. When they first met him. Like I marked um a paragraph on the top of 122. Um and this is the morning after he was totally drunk and passed out on the ra- on their kitchen floor. So, um mm-hmm. this is Tyler burst into the room then. Floral shirt crumpled, eyes wide, hair wild atop his head. Yulia Vasilik, he said, pointing at me. Yes! Then as quickly as he appeared, he was gone again. Like, what? <laughs> what? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was just it. Like, I was like, what the fuck, Tyler? What? But then he actually yeah. helps them in their search. And like I said, I just really like the vibes that he's bringing to their little party. Um, real quick, I just want to jump back to that thing on 130, um, where they're talking to the, I I mentioned this earlier, but I just kind of want to like revisit it. Um, they're talking to the girl who used to be a model with gray and live with her. And then now she's just like a, a makeup artist because she can't, what she say? She can't like her whole life has basically been ruined because she can't sleep. She can't stop like thinking about everything that happened. Um, And so she says to them, they left something out of the news report. When they found me in the street, I was naked except for the bloody runes written on my body. The blood was Gray's. Which goes back to the dead man in her apartment because didn't he have the same thing written on his body? He did. He also had bloody runes. And the the bull skull man also had bloody runes on his chest. Yeah. But we don't know what any of this means yet. Page 135 mm-hmm. is when they find the wall in the, oh, in the yeah. apartment. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. And Tyler can smell it. He says, oh, something's dead. Tyler said dry heaving. So he can smell it. He can feel it. He's okay. also mm-hmm. getting sick at this point. Uh, and that's when okay. they pull away a chunk of the wall and then some more. Big clops of it falling to the ground like mud. The plaster was gel- gelatinous, barely even solid. No, something alive. She said as she held a piece of the wall up to me, it reeked, but one side of it was covered in the little white flowers. The same flowers that had been growing in Vivi, the same flowers Grace stitched into lace in her gowns. Okay, so then they're tearing away at the wall. They, um, what, they figure out that they need to move the bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so then Vivi, or Iris can feel Grey. Mm-hmm. Vivi says, where is she? Iris says, in the gap at the back of the couch that crumbs and coins fall into, halfway. And then so um, Iris just knows that she, or she feels like she needs to just call out to Gray. So she says, Gray, it's Iris. If you can hear me, I want you to follow the sound of my voice. We're close, but you need to come to us. We can't find our way to you. 
And then a girl dressed in white, her fingertips dripping in blood. Oh, I should say a figure had emerged from the warped doorway from the wall and was now leaning against it, gasping. A girl dressed in white, her fingertips dripping in blood. Oh, my God, I whispered. Gray. My older sister looked up at me. Her eyes were black and her white hair hung in filthy clumps around her face. Run, she said. She tried to take a step toward me, but sank heavily to her knees. He's coming. And that's where we ended, folks. That's where we ended. What in the words of Vivi? What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, I am probably going to read this when we get off the call because now I can. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. I want to know what happens. Mm-hmm. Same. So obviously, because this is a podcast, we, you know, the three of us could talk about this book forever and we could go through every single little detail um and just comb through it from from start to finish but um you know we have to be concise you know and stick to like a certain amount of time so if there's stuff that we missed or didn't address or that we cut out from this episode that you as the listener want to discuss or think is really important um we encourage you to join us in our discord discussion and on our ig any of our uh social platforms where you can find us and connect with us and just give us some of your thoughts opinions insights um you know what do you think is going on uh let us know kind of where you guys are at and if you're as into this book as we are and um we'd just love to like have more community uh, just join in with us as we explore this crazy book. Yeah, I could totally talk yeah. about this book more. I mean, I've only read half of it, and we've talked for almost two hours now, and I could keep going. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, so let's just do a quick wrap-up. Um, this has been our, our first book club, our second episode of the podcast. We talked about chapters 1 through 12 of mm-hmm. House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. Uh, Next week will be another book talk. Uh, We haven't really decided on the topic, so stay on our social medias and uh, click the bell and subscribe to keep up to date with that. Um, Next week will be a book talk, us chatting, maybe giving out some reviews or some recommendations. Following that, we will be doing another uh, book club. We will be finishing House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. So if you like the book, if you liked this uh, little book club podcast, then um, follow along and we will be back to talk some more. All right, guys. Well, can't wait to talk more. And uh, listeners, we'll see you guys back here. And everyone, have a fabulous night. See you guys. Bye, bitches. <laughs> okay. Bye. bye. <laughs>